Welcome to the Freedom Report. What I love about Austin Peterson is his love of the battle. He wants to fight. Austin was, of course, the rabble-rouser, just to make sure I stayed Rothbardian. We live in a world fraught with danger, and there is a certain amount of danger that the public must endure in order to secure the blessings of liberty for economic freedom and personal liberty. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Austin Peterson here, host of the Freedom Report podcast. Today is Wednesday, January the 30th, and thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies, it's been a couple of days since we've updated here at the Freedom Report. Um, I had lost my voice, and it has finally returned tenuously, somewhat. Uh, and uh, I wanted to talk to you about a couple, a lot of, man, a lot of big topics have been going across my desk, and um, I had to decide between many of these topics to discuss, and the big one that I really thought was the most important that we should talk about is the 2020 candidacy of Kamala Harris. And I have a couple of pieces here, one from Reason Magazine, the other an op-ed from Ben Shapiro. One is the um, uh, really a breakdown of the policy discussion, and the other one is more the political discussion. Uh, let's just get right into it. This article from Peter Suderman over at Reason Magazine says that Kamala Harris just showed why Bernie Sanders' Medicare for All plan won't work. Transitioning to a fully government-run system would require eliminating private health insurance for nearly 180 million Americans. This is what's going to be the big problem, of course. And I think that the Democrats are going to learn very, very soon. And Kamala Harris learned almost overnight after some of her comments. In its traditional form, a single-payer health care system would effectively outlaw private health insurance as we know it. The Medicare for All plan backed by Bernie Sanders, for example, would end today's private health insurance market in a period of four years forcing nearly 180 million Americans off of their existing plans in the process. To the plan's most ardent backers, this is an objectively positive development. After Senator Kamala Harris, who supports the Sanders plan, said at a presidential town hall Monday night that she favors eliminating all private health insurance, even for people who like their plans, a policy staffer for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweeted, yes, we're going to get rid of the entire health insurance industry. That's a feature, not a bug. But as Harris appears to have discovered, most people don't see it that way. There's even resistance within her own party. In the 24 hours following her remarks, a number of prominent Democrats distanced themselves from the idea, including Senators Dick Durbin, Tim Kaine, and even Harris's fellow senator from California, Dianne Feinstein, with Feinstein saying, well, I'm not there. Harris, it seems, is not quite there anymore either. Or if she is, she's also somewhere else. <laughs> Very good writing, Peter Suderman. Last night, she gently moderated her position with a spokesperson telling CNN she is open to other policy paths, although she continues to support a single-payer plan that would end private health insurance as well. Do I support that? Yes. Do I support that? I'm open to anything. What do you want me to support? <laughs> do, you, do I support that? Oh, yes. Is that, you know, I, I ran into that many times with certain politicians on my U.S. Senate campaign who supported one thing and then... When they thought that the people would support some, the majority of people might support something else, and then it's like, oh, well, then that's what I support. So it's, <laughs> it's all too frequent accounts. Whatever you want. Just tell me what you want me to believe. Tell me what you want me to say. Uh, it's not exactly a walk back, but it is a tacit acknowledgement of the resistance to her initial remarks. She continues to support a plan that would make today's private health insurance plans illegal while forcing most everyone onto a government-run insurance system. But, 
She supports alternatives as well. Presumably, presumably ideas like creating a government-run insurance plan that would be sold alongside private plans, or allowing more people to buy into the existing Medicare system, or something like it. In other words, she also supports plans that are not full-fledged single-payer, single the entire point of which is to replace all existing insurance with, yes, a single government-run health coverage plan. What Harris encountered was the obstacle that has bedeviled health care reformers on both the left and the right for decades. Although public satisfaction with the health care system writ large is often fairly low, polls consistently find that a majority of people like their own health insurance plans and doctors, and they recoil from plans that would cause them to lose their existing coverage arrangements. That dynamic is what helped kill a planned health care overhaul under Bill Clinton, and it's why President Barack Obama sold the Affordable Care Act on the false promise that would not cause anyone to lose their existing health insurance coverage or doctor. That happened to me. It's also one of the reasons that the Republican effort to repeal Obamacare failed, and it remains a major impediment to overhauling Medicare. Similarly, recent surveys find that Medicare for All is only popular until people are told that it would eliminate private insurance. That's the funny thing about polling, folks, is that if you ask people a question one way, they're going to answer one way, right? Do you support Medicare for All? Yes. Do you support it if that means you lose your health insurance plans and your doctor? No. Well, you know, that's, that's a feature, not a bug, as a Kaja Cortez person says. When it comes to healthcare, the public really, really, really does not like disruption. But the entire point of single payer, which is to say the entire point of Sanderstown Medicare for All, is disruption on a massive scale. All of the other problems, the massive increase in federal spending, the administrative complexity, the job loss, and the medical provider reimbursement cuts are in some sense secondary. The incredible unpopularity of, of any plan that openly proposes to upend current coverage for tens of millions of people is a political barrier no one has managed to overcome. That is why Democrats have typically avoided advertising that their plans would do so, and why some are attempting to brand ideas that are not full-fledged single-payer as Medicare for all. Medicare for all is, a popu is popular as a slogan, but much of its popularity stems from the ambiguity surrounding what, exa if exactly that, what exactly that means. That ambiguity can persist for a while, but is harder to sustain when the plan is put front and center in a major presidential campaign. Exactly. By foregrounding single-payer's disruptive effects at the beginning of her presidential campaign, Harris provided as succinct a demonstration as you are likely to see of why for the foreseeable future, Sanders-style Medicare for All is all but certain to fail. Thank you very much, Peter Suderman, uh, for that uh, good analysis. And uh, Ben Shapiro sort of doubles down on this and expands when he writes over the Daily Wire. On Monday evening, Kamala Harris jumped into the race at both feet. She embraced every radical position available her, uh, to her, presumably in a, an attempt to crowd out candidates to her left, including uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Senators Bernie, Bernie, Senator Bernie Sanders. With that strategy in mind, she embraced Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's so-called Green New Deal, which would cost an estimated $49 trillion over the next 10 years. Oh, gosh, as well as this would cost $49 trillion in the next 10 years, it would slash the military in half. You would eliminate natural gas and coal within 11 years and ban gasoline-powered vehicles. <laughs> 
Mm, amazing. She also embraced nationalized health care insurance to the extent that she gladly stated she would eliminate private insurance. You know, the insurance upon which you know most of us rely. A Medicare for All plan would cost another $32 trillion over 10 years. And that's a low-end estimate, considering that Bernie Sanders' plan assumes a 40% reduction in provider payments and no private health care spending outside the system. Right, meaning that people wouldn't go and seek health care options outside of the crappy government run one. Oh, they would probably make it illegal for us to do so. And Harris embraced a full-scale ban on semi-automatic weapons. So your pistols, you know, any you know rifle that's not a bolt-action rifle. But although they'll probably you know somehow put bolt-action rifles in their necks, guys. None of these proposals are either remotely tenable or even popular. The Green New Deal is dead on arrival. Try polling Americans on whether they want the government to ban their cars. Medicare for all, 37% of Americans want it, but when inf uh, just 37% of Americans want it when informed their health plans would disappear. Pardon my, my uh, bad speaking today, guys. And just wait until they hear about the increased taxes. How about a ban on semi-automatic weapons? Only 40% of Americans were in favor as of October. Only 40, Ben? You got to say it like that, only 40% of Americans? That's, that's too high for me. That's too high for me, that 40% of Americans support a ban on semi-automatic weapons. 40% of Americans who said they supported that, the, the, the people who, 100% of the 40% are ignorant. But Democrats, honing in on President Trump's personal unpopularity, apparently mistake the public rejection, rejection, uh, what's wrong with me today? What's wrong with these children today, folks? Democrats, honing in on President Trump's personal unpopularity, apparently mistake the public rejection of Trump's personal foibles for public warmth towards full-scale leftism. Very well written, Ben. There's simply no evidence of that. That's why Democrats are panicking over the possibility of a third-party candidate like Howard Schultz, former Starbucks CEO, who could siphon off many anti-Trump votes by not running as a complete loony. There's room for an anti-Trump centrist in this electorate, and that running space has been created by a Democratic Party beholden to its radical base. That's why it will be fascinating to see how Vice President Joe Biden fares in Democratic primaries. Should he lose to someone more in line with the base, a Warren or a Sanders or a Harris, Democrats may face the possibility that Trump's popularity ratings matter less to the general public than Democrats' extremism. Democrats see Trump's 2020 re-election race as a golden opportunity to move further to the left. But they may find out the hard way when forced to choose between a vulgarian who doesn't want to take away their health insurance and a media darling who does, the American people aren't sure to choose the latter. Boys, what, a, what a weird lineup we're getting ready for here in 2020. I mean, the Democrats are all competing themselves to outleft themselves and going off the brink with these gigantic, massive spending plans, you know, $49 trillion here, $30 trillion there over 10 years. We're almost now, what, 22? We're getting ready to cross either, and right now we've crossed it, or we're getting ready to cross the $22 trillion in debt. How are we going to pay for another $49 trillion? Another $49 trillion in debt? It's just a shell game, it feels like sometimes. Like, the, the economy just sometimes feels like a giant con, the way that it, with this debt-based system works. But, I mean, you know, here, these people are more than willing to spend all of our money. But in terms of the politics of this, I think Ben is right. There is going to be space for a not, you know, anti-Trump centrist somewhere, somehow, either running, 
in the primaries against him, like a John Kasich type of a person, which again, I don't think he'll win, but, but uh, or as Howard Schultz with like kind of like a center left kind of a candidate. I think that that's probably what we'll see, which is probably why we're going to get Donald Trump. I, th- I think Donald Trump will be reelected in 2020 because the Democrats are so split and their, their base is now so hyper-radicalized uh, that it's, it's impossible for them to govern. The Democrats may have control of the House of Representatives, but if they continue this slide towards you know total blatant authoritarianism, I think a lot of Americans are going to reject that. But you just never know, folks, because, you know, the surest, biggest argument against democracy is a five-minute conversation with the average voter. I think that was Winston Churchill. Hopefully it's not a fake quote. I'm just pulling it out of my butt. We'll see. If not, then attribute it to me. I get the credit. Anyways, thanks so much for listening to Freedom Report podcast today, guys. Lots of exciting news coming for you. I'll be announcing very soon. Thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Podbean. SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, and we even upload it over to YouTube. Don't use them a whole lot because I'm just really sick of, uh, you know, the monetization, demonetization schemes of YouTube and all of the, you know, the way that they control their creators. So uh, I just uploaded there so that people who, you know, only use that platform can listen to it later. But you can always get us on anything like uh, any of your uh, readers or listeners, so things like uh, uh, we also are on Spotify as well, and um, also I think what's the other platform that is like Stitcher? Yeah, Stitcher. So Stitcher, SoundCloud, Podbean, iTunes, pretty much anything that you want. Google Music, I think, even plays us. So, anyways, thanks so much, guys. I'm off this weekend to the Winter Dance Party, the 60th anniversary of the day that music died a long, long time ago. I can still remember how that music used to make me. Something. I forgot the words. (laughs) Did you write the book of love? Did you have faith in God above? Yeah, it's the 60th anniversary of the day the music died. Buddy Holly, Big Bopper, Richie Valens passed away in a plane crash almost 60 years ago this weekend. So I'm going up there with my family to do some dancing with some 75-year-old folks and my fun little nephew and sister and uh, and my dad. We're all going to have a good time with the family. Some of my dad's old friends and listen to some old um, some old recording artists from back in the day. We've got some from back in the day, the 50s and 60s. Man, we love Motown and Golden Oldies in my family. I don't know if you do too. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was having a conversation with a younger friend of mine the other day and I was like, I was like, yeah, Buddy Holly concert. She's like, Buddy Holly? She didn't know who Buddy Holly was, guys. I mean, I know I'm getting old too, 37. I'm turning 38 here in like a week. But uh, how do you not know Buddy Holly? I mean, goodness gracious. I knew Buddy Holly when I was, by the time I was 12, you know, maybe younger. Singing Buddy Holly songs when I was 10, probably. Anyway, so yeah, so up to, going up to the winter dance party at the Surf, Surf's Up Ballroom should be a good time. Hope you guys all have a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much for listening to Freedom Port Podcast, and talk to you soon. Every day it's a getting closer, going faster than a roller coaster. Love like yours will surely come my way. Hey, hey, hey. Every day it's a getting faster. Everyone said go ahead and ask her. Love like yours will surely come my way.